So this last talk is about a crucial attitude that we have to bring into our marriage to make it work. It's really a two-word sentence. It's all about attitude, and you're going to find it in this story. Okay, we're going to tell you this crazy story that happened to us on our 25th wedding anniversary. We ended up in Mexico at an all-inclusive resort to do a wedding for a couple. Long story short, we were there. We'd never been to an all-inclusive, which I love because I'm a tightwad, and you get this little armband. Oh, yeah, he's waving his armband around like, everything's free, am I in heaven? It was great. And so we end up one night at a dinner party. It's like a resort uh, show, and we heard they were going to do the newlywed game. There's like Four, five hundred, six hundred people there. Oh, yeah, it's bigger than that even. And so somehow we get recruited to be backstage thinking we just got recruited with eight other couples to be in the new Louis game. Little to know, when the curtain opened and the MC walked out, he said, tonight is dance competition night. (laughs) We are terrible dancers. I mean, we love to dance, but we can't. Oh, no. It was terrible. This is going to be awful. So he said, what's going to happen? These couples are going to dance to different uh, music around the country, and you're going to vote them off with your applause, right? So the first song starts. Nobody there knows this but me, but my wife was a gymnast her whole life, and she can do flips and aerials and one-arm push-ups, all this stuff. So I literally lean over to her, and I say, you end this with a one-arm push-up. We win. And I, I'm so competitive, too. I'm like, yes, because we're going to win the grand so, prize. So the music starts, and I'm not kidding. We start dancing, and I can't dance, and she's the star. So I get out of the way, and I just go in the back, and I'm just basically doing this. This is all I got. I got a little Q-tip here and there, but that's it. That's all I got. But while I'm doing this, she is, like, running from side to side of the stage. And the this stage is a big, huge is stage. Hu- like, the stage is really, really big. And she's flipping you know what an arrow is? It's a, it's a, whatever. I don't know. She flips, lands. The crowd's like, oh, and she runs this play, flips the crowd, oh, and I'm just like, go girl, go girl. I'm just like <laughs> letting her go, and a crowd is eating this up. So the music is coming to an end, and we both end up on like opposite ends of this stage. Yeah, we're way apart. Like and so we, 20 yards. we're thinking like, how do we end this? Real, you know, so really good. I get this big great idea, and I, I put my arms like this, a big hula hoop circle, and I, I look at her, I just go like this. And I'm thinking, what does that mean? And I had it in my mind. It's like, you just jump through here. I'll get out of the way. You do a little flip thing, like, you know, like SeaWorld, like Shamu, right? She'll land, do a one-arm push-up. I'll get beside her. That was all in my head when I did this little circle. Okay. I did not even see it like that. I saw it more like this. No, it was not this. See the the difference? No. And so I'm thinking, oh, it's like that movie Dirty Dancing when Jennifer Grey dives into Patrick Swayze's arms. And I thought, okay, he's just going to catch me here. That's cool. He'll do a little spin. We'll end and like, ta-da, and we win. So anyway, she starts running. Well, we look at each other across the stage like, got it. She starts running across the stage at full sprint. I mean, like the Olympic, you know, vault. She's going (laughs) to... And so she comes in and she starts to jump. And I'm right here and I go up. I turn to get out of her way so she can do her little flip. And I just do my little thing like this. He's gone, and I smash to the ground, like smash, barely catching my face from hitting. In so much pain, there's this giant, like, noise. I, I, I actually never even saw it. I was turned around. I heard this smack. And you know one of those moments when you know in one sound what happened? I'm like, oh, my gosh, she thought I was going to catch her. So I turn around, and she has face planted. Guys that work at the resort are running to her to help her, and she's just laying there laughing. I am in so much pain, and I'm laughing so hard because I'm thinking, we are the dumbest people on the planet. Yeah. Who 
does this. We're old. Like, <laughs> Here's the deal. We won first prize. Yeah, we did win. Yeah, I thought we were coming back to the resort for free. We got two free T-shirts. It was crazy. But here, here's the amazing thing. She ended up, uh, we got back to Michigan, and she kept complaining about her wrist. We found out she broke both wrists. I had both wrists broken. Unbelievable. Unbelievable is right. <laughs> Yeah, so I know many of you have heard that story, um, and uh, that's really why she's not here today. She's still working on her wrist. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was one of these crazy moments when, uh, you know, when, when she flies through the air, and like I said, when I heard her hit, you know, you have those moments, you're like, oh, I know everything that happened. You know what the funny thing was? We were still at that resort for a couple more days. People thought I did it on purpose. Like, I pulled out, you know, like Linus with the football with Charlie Brown or whatever. And so I'd walk around the resort and I'd be like, dude, you're such a bad husband. I'm, no, 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 no. That is not what I did. But that's what they thought. So here, here's the thing. Do you know what the two words are? They're in that story. I said there's an attitude that you've got to bring into every part of your life, including your marriage, including your single relationships, including your workplace, you name it. Whatever you do, you walk with God, church, you name it. These two words you got to bring to everything. It's in that story. It's actually Anne's attitude, perspective, what she did. She brought that. In fact, this woman brings it to everything she does in every area of her life. I knew when we were dating, she was going to be this kind of girl. It's two words. In fact, Clemson said it was their theme as they won the national championship. Anybody know? All in. That's it. All in. And I, and I mean, I love those two words because it's like whatever you do, whatever you do. My favorite, one of my favorite Bible verses in, in the Bible is Colossians 3.23 because it's an all in verse. It says, whatever you do, work at it with some of your heart. No, all of your heart as working for the Lord, not men. Doesn't mean in the big things you do it and the little things you don't. No, it means every, absolutely everything you do, all in. So as we end this series, we, and we ended the book this way. In fact, we, when we started the book, we put that Mexico dance story at the beginning, and our publisher said, nope, this is the way the book should end, and they're right. It's like, man, you want couples closing the back flap of that book going, okay, we've got to make a decision here. Are we going all in? Or we're going to keep, keep tiptoeing around, 50%, 70%. Let me tell you something. You know this. Nothing good happens in life if you give some of yourself. You have to give everything, all in. Am I right? Yeah. Am I right about your walk with God? Yeah. Am I right about being a husband or a wife? Yeah. Single person? You name it. In my job? Oh, my gosh. If I just sort of... No, it's like everything you got. So here's all I want to do. I'm going to do this... I'm going to try and do it somewhat briefly, is this. I just believe uh, that we should be all in in three areas. And there's actually 50, but three just to start with. And one we've talked about for five weeks, and I'll start with that one. All in in your marriage or all in in relationships. In other words, if you're going to do relationships, do them with everything you got. Absolutely everything you got. Don't hold anything back. Give it everything you got. You know, we did this, it was interesting, we did this book signing yesterday at Barnes & Noble for our book. We've never done one of those in our life. I've never been to one of those in my life. I don't even know what you're supposed to do. There's a microphone there. We're like, we're supposed to talk? You know, and so people ask questions, and it was really interesting. A couple of people came up who were single, and their question was something, went something like this. I'm dating a guy who's not completely all in in his walk with God. What do you think? I'm dating a girl that's not really all, I mean, I'm going for it, but they're sort of, I'm sort of pulling around. What do you think? What do you think we said? What do you think we said? I said, man, don't settle. Don't settle for anything less than all in. It all is your life. I'm just telling you. I, I looked at this one lady yesterday. I said, you won't understand this, but if I would have done what you're contemplating doing, 
and married the woman I dated for four years thinking I'll, I'll get her where I am spiritually and I'll get her. I said, Ann and I are not sitting here. There's no book. There's no Wilson family. None of this happens because we both would have married people who weren't completely all in their walk with God. We'd both probably be divorced from those marriages. And not. I go, our whole life, we're standing here today because we decided in college, Ann was actually still in high school, to go all in with Christ and it changed everything. In fact, you guys might remember this, but five weeks ago when we started the series, the whole series started with the worst moment in our marriage. The book starts with the worst moment in our marriage where she says, I've lost my feelings for you, right? How did we save this marriage? All in. To each other? Nope. All in to God first and then each other. That's what vertical is all about, right? It's like, I'm going all in with Christ. And it's interesting. A verse that just recently hit me. I, I was actually... Uh, you know, we're doing this radio show now, and uh, we tape these uh, one, four days a month, and they're, they're uh, you know, 27 shows. In fact, we're flying to Little Rock tonight, and we're going to tape until Thursday, and they'll be on the broadcast in about three months. But I was there taping a show, and one of our guests mentioned this verse, and I hadn't read it, if ever, in my life. And I thought, what a powerful verse. It's tucked away in the Old Testament, probably a book you and I haven't read in decades, the book of Ezra, a prophet who makes this comment, the comment's made about him. It says, for Ezra, listen to this, had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Now look at that verse real close because when I heard this, I thought, oh my gosh, there's three aspects in that verse that are all in. And look at the first one. For Ezra has set his heart to what? Study the law of the Lord. And I thought of our marriage, the way that our marriage got saved by God is we went to the word of God and we started to say, what does it have to say about marriage? So that's the first part, study the law of the Lord. And then here's the biggie. And then what do he do? Don't miss this. Do not miss this. He did what he studied. You know what church has always been? People that go to church and learn a lot and do nothing. And that's why people don't like people, church people. It's like, you guys know the Bible, but you don't really live it. And it, it, this guy is like, I knew the word of God, but then he did it. I tell you what, you guys know this, and I know this. The rubber meets the road when we leave here. It isn't when we're here, it's when we leave here and what we do. Do we just say, hey, man, that was great, awesome, or do we actually go, I'm going to start living this? And then notice what else he did. And this is exactly what happened in our marriage, even as we first got married. He then did what? He taught his statutes and rules in Israel. I'll tell you something. It's, it sounds paradoxical, but it's, it's really true. The best thing you can do if you're married and you're struggling, the best thing you can do, you know what I'm going to say? It is not what most people think I'm going to say. You go teach marriage truths to other couples. You be the leader of a small group and you teach it. And you're like, no, we can't. We're not there yet. We're not good enough. I'm telling you, when Ann and I got married, you heard the stories the first year of marriage. She said, I wish I'd mar never married you right? I said, you're right. We should have never done this. I prayed to God that I'd rather die than be married to her. That was all in the first year of marriage. Uh, a day after my prayer, God, I'd rather I die than be married to this woman. The next day, we were leading a marriage Bible study on the University of Nebraska campus teaching marriage principles that we weren't living. Do you get it? We had to learn, what does the word of God say about marriage? We had to start doing it. And as we taught it to others, I, I honestly don't know if anyone in that Bible study's marriage got better, but ours did. And actually, I'll tell you, it doesn't matter. Who cares about them? It's all about you. Here's the thing. I'm kidding. But that's what happened is like as we started reading this and studying this and then started to do this in our own life and then teach it to others, I can't explain how this works. But you get better when you give yourself away. Hmm. Sounds like somebody said that once. You want to find your life? What? Lose your life. You want to gain? Lose. It's 
Jesus way. It's like, man, the way, and so here's what we do. Our marriage is in trouble. Focus, focus on us. And of course you got to do that. And you should sit down with a counselor and you should get help. But I tell you, when you start giving away, just like Ezra did, study, uh, did it, and then taught it, literally God will change your marriage. I really think we're here today because God had us study it, do it, and then give it away. We were at Clinton Township a couple weeks ago doing this series, uh, I don't know, week three in this thing, and a couple came up to us who were in that Bible study at the University of Nebraska. He was a wrestler, she was his wife, they were married in college, and they were in that Bible study, and they said, hey, you said it didn't change anybody, it changed us. They're like 30 years married now, kids, and doing really well. And they said, I'm glad it changed you, but I just want you to know it changed at least one other couple, and it was them. Isn't that, isn't that cool? So here's the thing. I'm just telling you, it requires the first thing is all in to your marriage. And I tell you, for some of you, today's your gut check to say, okay, am I willing to say it's been really hard and I've sort of pulled back? Am I willing to say today, no matter what her response is or what his response is, for me, I'm giving everything I got. Because remember, it's so easy to do this. Oh, it's about her. It's about him. It's about my spouse. We're doing this with our elbows. Like, you listen to this, honey. You listen to this, thinking God's speaking to them. Let me tell you, forget them. I don't mean forget them. Like, I've never, I mean, forget them right now and think, what about you? God is talking to you, and you can only pray for them that God, they'll hear the same thing. But what about you? Will you be all in? And here's the second one all in in your ministry. All in in your ministry. Now, here's what I know some of you are thinking. I'm not a minister. You're the minister. That's, that's your title. That's what you do. You're on staff here. You're a minister. I'm not a minister. Here's what you need to understand, and I mean this. You are just as much a minister as I am. If you're a follower of Christ, you are a minister for God. In fact, you have different gifts than I do, and so you should do it in a different way, and you work in a different place than I do. I'm actually jealous of some of you. You work in, in the workplace with people that don't go to church anywhere, and I, got, I have to work with church people all the time. Trust me. It's not, anyway, I'm kidding. But, you know, it's like I go to that place every day, and you go to the workplace. I get jealous because I'm like, I would love to rub shoulders all day with non-Christians. I know what you're thinking. Oh, dude, it's horrible. No, you're right where God wants you to be because you're his light in that workplace or in that neighborhood or in that school right? And you're the light of God, and they're in darkness. Maybe they know it or don't know it, but you are the hands and feet and the voice of God right there, and I get jealous of that. In fact, I've taught this here before, but it's something that we got to remember. In, in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, and it was so cool this past April, almost a year ago, uh, I got to stand where Jesus taught these words on the, on the Sermon on the Mount when we did a vertical marriage uh, trip to the Holy Land. But here's what he said. He said, you are the light of the world, talking to his disciples, talking to the multitude. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Listen to this. He says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, it's really interesting. I've taught this verse for years, and about, I don't know, maybe a decade ago, I got an insight into this verse I listened to another pastor that blew me away, and it was the Greek meaning of the words up there that says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. The words set on a hill in the Greek, and some of you know this, the original New Testament is written in Koine Greek, a very specific Greek dialect, and so the words are very specific. It's actually a lot more specific than English. So our translation, a city set on a hill, the exact translation should be a city strategically placed on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, does that mean anything? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It brings such depth 
to what Jesus was saying. He's saying to his disciples, you are the light of the world. Now, right away, they had to be thinking, wait, wait, wait. You said you were the light of the world. Now you're saying, we're the light of the world? What's he doing? He's setting them up for I'm leaving, and my light is going to be transferred to you, and I'm not going to be here physically, but you are, and so now you are the light of the world. And here's what he's saying. Just as a city is strategically placed on a hill, and they knew this, they knew geography. Cities weren't just randomly thrown up on hills. There's the valley. There's people in darkness. They would strategically place a city here on the edge of the hill so people in darkness would see the light and go to get help. They'd put another one strategically here so people see the, in the darkness, see the light, and go to it. So what's he saying? Have some of you connected dots already? This is powerful. This is life-changing concept. He is saying you, anyone here that's a follower of Christ, is like a city strategically placed by who? Jesus, God. Where? Wherever he's placed you. He has placed you strategically in your, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. Do you get what this means? It's like, God, your life isn't random. Some of you are like, well, I, I didn't even want to live in Detroit. I ended up here because of a job loss. Yeah, I know. I didn't either. <laughs> Trust me. I didn't want to. Detroit? Right? Every Detroit Lion player I ever ministered to said, this is the last place I ever want to come play is Detroit. I'm like, but, but if they had a perspective and they were a follower of Christ, they're like, but God sent me here to do ministry. I'm like, yep, you got it. Strategically placed in this locker room, in this neighborhood, in this workplace, in this school, sitting in this Uber car, talking to this dude or this woman in this classroom, in this seat. Do you understand this? It's like when you start to wake up in the morning thinking, if I'm a Christ follower, I'm the light of the world, and God is strategically placing me as a minister. Dave Wilson's not going to come to my workplace, but I am. And so God's up there with the angels going, hey, hey, look, look at this guy. I put him right there. And, and the angel's like, yeah. And, and so shine, buddy, shine. And you're sitting there at work, and there's a guy on the other side of the cubicle, man. He's in darkness, right? And Jesus is like, shine. I put you right there beside that guy on the other side of the cubicle. Shine. And here's what we're like. I don't even like that guy. <laughs> I know, I know. Shine. Yeah, that dude, man, he's corrupt, man. He looks at porn. He cusses. He drinks too much. I know. He's looking for me. You've got me. Tell him. Do you get it? We'd walk into workplace Monday going, Seriously. If you're like, when I walk into a room, guess what happens? If you're a follower of God, do you understand this? The kingdom of God walked into that room with you. Why? Because the kingdom of God lives where? In you. Oh my gosh. That changes everything. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to. Yeah, I'm a minister. I don't know what to say. It doesn't matter. Just say whatever God puts in your heart. You know Jesus? Tell him about him. And I go, don't be a weirdo either. Don't like, hey, the blood of Jesus washes you from your sin, you corrupt sinner. You're going to hell. Don't do that. <laughs> Just love them and be their friend and walk through their life with them and be beside them. I'll tell you, I've told this story a couple of times, but uh, it's just a memory I'll never forget. When I first learned this concept that God strategically wants to use us, and I didn't know Matthew 5 then, or a brand new Christian, probably probably two to three months old in my walk with Christ. I'm a junior in college. I'm getting involved in the ministry there called Camp Crusade for Christ now called Crew. I ended up going on staff with them for 15 years. The first five years I served as Detroit Lions chaplain was through Crew. Anyway, so I'm, I'm just getting involved in this ministry, and they said to me, hey, at spring break, instead of going to Daytona Beach and partying, we go to Daytona Beach and we share the gospel with all the college students that are down there partying. You want to go. You'll learn how to share your faith. I'm like, I'm in. And I got to be honest, the year before, I was the drunk guy on the beach at Daytona. This year, I'm going as a Christian. I thought, this will be weird, right? Like, what are we going to do on the beach? But I'm pretty excited about it because I'm brand new in my faith. So I go down to see my dad. He was an airline pilot, flew out of Miami, spent a few days with him. And then I think I rented a car. I don't even remember, but I was driving up to Daytona. 
And I remember as I'm driving there, I pray this prayer. I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know how anything in this Christian life works. And I just said something like this. Hey, God, I'm so excited to learn how to share you with other people. If you want, to, if you want me to share you with somebody on this, on this drive, I'm all in. I didn't know you don't pray prayers like that. God answers prayers like that. Like a mile later, there's a dude hitchhiker on the side of the road, big guy, big duffel bag, and I see him off there, and I'm like, wow, is that how this works? And so as I got closer, I saw he was really big, looked really rough, and I remember what my mom always told me, you never pick up a hitchhiker. So I drove right by. I did. I thought, I'm not supposed to do this, you know, so I just drove by, and I didn't know how the Spirit of God works when he lives in you, but I started feeling like I'm supposed to go back, and I couldn't get rid of it. It's like... You prayed, there's the guy, go back. And I, I didn't hear those words, but I was just like, you know, and again, I don't know, now I know that God was literally like saying, go. So I'm like, okay, I'll go back. So you know those unauthorized turns you're not allowed to do in the middle of the highway? I did two of them. Because <laughs> I figured if you do it for God, you don't get in trouble. So anyway, and I did, I did it once, I did it again. I thought he won't even be there. He's still there. So as I pull over to the shoulder of the road, I go, God, okay, I don't know what to do, but help me. And so the guy gets in, sits down, we start driving. I go, hey man, what's your name? Joe. I go, Joe, where are you going? He's going almost to where I'm going, so he's going to be with me for a couple hours. I go, hey, Joe, so what do you do? Some of you remember the story? This is unbelievable. I just go, hey, Joe, so what do you do? And he goes like this. And I'm scared to death. I'm like nervous because I'm thinking I got to talk about Jesus, and I don't know what to do, right? So I just say, hey, Joe, what are you doing? He goes, uh, I'm a Navy SEAL. I'm like, what? You're a Navy SEAL. Yeah, I'm going to this base, and I'm, uh, you know, so I had, didn't have any way to get there. This is before Uber, right? And so I'm like, Oh, so here's what I thought. I didn't tell him this, but I thought, I'm not sharing Jesus with him. Because if he doesn't want to hear it, he'll just reach over and go, and I'm dead. <laughs> right? That's what Navy SEALs can do. They can kill you like me. So I'm like scared even more. I'm like, I'm, I don't talk about anything close to God because I don't want to offend this guy. But the whole time, I feel like I'm supposed to. And so we're getting close to the end of our time together, like 15 minutes or 15 miles. And I'm like, I just feel like I've got to bring this up. So I don't know how to do this. Nobody's ever told me. So I, I'm going to forget. This is my opening line. I go, hey, Joe, uh, you ever think about spiritual things? Sort of like that. And I'll never forget this. Listen to this very closely. This is word for word. He goes, I can't believe you just asked me that question, which first of all made me scared. <laughs> Honestly, I thought, oh, no. And then I just went, why is that, Joe? And he goes, because my life is a wreck right now. Word for word. My life is a wreck right now. And I don't believe in God, but I just, on that highway, before you picked me up, I looked up at the sky and I said, hey, if you're real, send me one of your followers to tell me about you. And I'm sitting there when he says that, I'm like, and then I'll never forget, he goes, would that be you? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that would be me. <laughs> Think about what you just heard. And then the verse I just quoted for you, which I didn't even know at the time like a city set on a hill, like a city strategically placed, shine. I had no idea that's how God works. And it, it's not always that miraculous, but it was so evident in that moment, oh my gosh, this was not random. That dude, an atheist, prayed, and I'm God's answer. And I remember when he said that, I'm like, I gotta tell him. And I'm like, what do I tell him? I don't even know. And you think you don't know and you got to be, you know, seminary trained to do this? Here's what I told him, my story. And guess what Joe did that day? Gave his life to Jesus. We sat in my car on a shoulder of a highway in Florida and he gave his life to Jesus right then and there. And I knew from that day on, God can use me? 
Me? I didn't even grow up in a church. I ran from God. I've got a list of sin. I guarantee you, beat yours. Not that there's competition on this, but it's like, I'm so dirty and I'm so dark. There's no way God could use my life. And God says, I can use anybody that's all in. Anybody that's all in, I can use. And here's what he's saying to you right now. You are a minister just as much as I am. Your ministry's probably not walking on stage and giving sermons. Yours is probably much greater than that. Because you walk into a place every day in a neighborhood every day and you have a legacy and that is where God has placed you strategically to say, shine. And I tell you what, you can go to work tomorrow and not shine or you can go to work tomorrow or go to your workplace tomorrow or go to school tomorrow and you can have your head on a swivel going, oh my gosh, Jesus, who is it today? Who do you want me to love today? Who do you want to walk beside today? I am here today. Almost 40-some years later, why? Because God showed me, your life's not random, and if you give me everything you got, you will not believe what I can do through you. Never even thinking of a thing called Kensington or a church. It was just like every single day. Just think of this. We say this all the time. Invite somebody here next week. Invite somebody. They may say no. They may say no. They may say no. One day they may say yes. You know when they say yes? When they're going through something... They'll say yes, and you'll be like, I've asked them for three years. Why are they coming today? And I know when they walk in here with you, you're like, Wilson, you better be good, because they finally came, right? But that's what you're called to do. And they're going to come because they're going through something, or the other side is they've achieved everything, and they're empty. And finally, they say, hey, man, maybe I'll come to that marriage series, or maybe I'll come to that series. What do you call it? Formed? It's going to be a how to get the best version of me. I'll show up, and God will do something miraculous. Because why? Because you're all in in your relationships. You're all in in your family. You're all in in your marriage. Secondly, you're all in as a minister. And then here's the final one, and it's really what we've talked about the whole series. It's what vertical and vertical marriage means. And it's just simply this, all in in your walk with God. All in in your walk with God. And really, that's where you start. It's the third one, but it's really the first one, right? You go vertical first, and then a horizontal works. Whether it's marriage or relationships or life or work or peace or power in your life, you don't get it here. You only get it here. So when I say all in when you walk with God, all I mean is this. Are, are you willing today or this year or this time of your life to say, I'm not going to play the game anymore. I'm in. I'm going to give them everything I've got. Are you willing to say it this year? I got to read you something. I, I wasn't going to do this, but you know, I'll read it right now. It's really cool. Um, I got this email, um, boy, I don't know, several months ago about a guy who decided to go all in with his walk with God. And I got to read it to you because it's so well said. And he came up to my book table. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we were signing books, and he walked up, and he goes, hey, I'm the, I'm the atheist that sent you the email. I go, man. And I had emailed him back, and I, I said, could I ever share this? I won't use your name. So I said, that I'm going to share this someday, and I won't use your name. He goes, go ahead. You can use my name. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. And his wife is crying as he's talking to me. And here's why. He sends me this email, again, months ago, says, hello, Pastor Wilson, which I know he's new, right? I just wanted to say a, send you a quick, well, not so quick, and he goes into this thing. He goes, your church has really transformed my life. I'm a former atheist, although I never call myself that because I always thought atheists were mean and hated religion, and I didn't hate religion or Christians. I just didn't believe in God, didn't believe in Jesus, etc. But I had friends and family that were Christians, and I gave them respect for believing in something I didn't. That being said, I brought my family to your church four Sundays ago, mainly, listen to this, because a friend of mine told me about your church and invited me. Somebody reaching out, thinking maybe they're a strategic good place and God could use them, right? And he said, he said your church was nice, 
and I wanted my children to have some exposure to Christianity. My wife is a Christian too, so I thought for her and for our kids, it would be a nice thing to do, and I could just suffer through what I thought would be the same old thing. You see, I've been to many different churches when I was younger in my 20s, and I felt the same thing at all of them, nothing. I never felt anything except a little bit of contempt for those who believe in something I figured is just made up. I felt suffocated like the walls were closing in on me. I hated that feeling, so I finally just stayed away from churches as much as I could. Now I'm 47 and thought your church would be the same as all the others and I would dislike the experience. But instead, something remarkable happened that still gives me the chills when I think about it or talk about it. The music. Interesting. The music and the sermon hit me like a truck. I was completely taken off guard. Your son was giving the sermon about work. My son. Your son was giving the sermon about work, about our jobs and how Christ is there with us. It was a fantastic sermon and I was moved to tears. Tears from the music, from the sermon, from something else, maybe God. I'm still not sure what happened, but I've never felt that way before. I actually feel a bit silly talking about it now because before four Sundays ago, I would have laughed at anyone telling me they were moved by the Spirit of God or felt God's presence or anything of the sort. But I guess that's what happened. I've never had a relationship with God, but now I do. I still don't understand what I'm supposed to do, but one thing is for sure. My family is definitely coming to church every Sunday that we can make it to the 9 a.m. service. Maybe you're here right now. David, you here? Daylight savings time. He'll be at the next one. <laughs> he says, and I'm going to try and learn as much as I can about Christ. Every time I come there, I'm moved. So much, listen to this, every time I come there, I move so much that I hate leaving the building, having to go back outside to the world outside. Everyone is so wonderful there, and the feeling is so overwhelming. It's like I've landed on a different planet or a little piece of heaven. I wanted to come talk to you, and I did actually thank your son when I saw him a couple weeks ago, but I was afraid to face you in person. I'm afraid I will break down like I almost did talking to your son because I'm so full of whatever it is, I still don't understand it fully. So thank you, Pastor Wilson. Four Sundays ago, I was truly transformed for the first time in my life, Un unlike anything I ever thought could happen. I just want to thank you and everyone there at Kensington. God bless. Oh, my gosh. What an awesome, awesome email. And that's what happens when you go all in. And again, David's just starting his journey. And many of you, like me, have been on that journey maybe for decades. But I tell you, what I would say to him and what I say to me and what I say to you, is don't give Jesus 95 or 99. Give it all. What's that mean? It means your life. We talked about it two weeks ago. It means your sexuality. It means your money. We're going to take the offering here in a second. Seriously, not doing, trying to get your money, but it's what we do. When we give him everything, we give him money as well. So ushers, you can't get ready to, to come forward and pass the pass. But that, that's what all in looks like. And that's why... People like me and many here give back to God financially, and we give even above that to a, a, an everyone campaign that can give us a new lobby that you're experiencing now and a roof over our head that we needed, even though it only leaked when it rained. I don't know why we got a new roof, but you know it's not very sexy, but that's what the money went to, and it's because people like you are all in, and that means every part of their life, mind, body, soul, wallet, you name it, are in. So the usher's going to pass a the pouch, and I know most of you give online like I do that way, and I, I just want to say thank you for doing that. It's just one piece of the, the fruit of being all in. But I would just challenge you, when you go all in with God, 
God shows up in ways you never expect possible. And I'm telling you, he doesn't make everything easy. And everything's not just this one miracle after another. Actually, life is still very difficult, but you have something you never had before. What's that? The presence and the power and the peace of God in the middle of the highs and the lows of our life. And so I'm going to bring up a friend right now to tell a little bit of his story. Come on up, John. Uh, which is a, a cool moment. Grab one of those mics, John. John and I have been in a men's group together that I started over 20 years ago. You came in later. You're like sort of a new guy. 17 years ago? 18, 20? Yeah, probably. 20-some years ago. Yeah, John and I just went hunting yesterday. We shot some pheasant. It was pretty cool. He didn't shoot me. I did, yeah. That was my goal for the night. Was that your goal? (laughs) Yeah, I don't do a lot of hunting, so I think I hit one bird, did I? Anyway, we're not talking about hunting. But here's, here's the thing. John and I and his wife, Betsy, and he's got five sons and our family, and we have about five or six other guys. We've sort of raised our families together. In fact, it's been pretty cool for me to now do their, the weddings of their kids. And, uh, but something happened uh, 12 years ago uh, that you didn't see coming, and I was brought in to be a part of it um, with your marriage, which... In some ways, you, looking back there, thought it was over. Talk about that just a little bit. I thought you were going to set this up. (laughs) (laughs) You want me to? Yeah. Here's what what happened. (laughs) Here's what happened. And Betsy, his wife, said, share anything you want, which is amazing, the vulnerability they've had. And they shared this story two years ago at our marriage conference for the first time because they had already told their sons, and they they were willing and ready to help anybody that could be helped by this story. Uh, John's wife, Betsy, had an affair, and John found out, and I think I found out the same night that John did, and so Ann and I, and, and this, this core group of families rushed in to try and help save this marriage, and help John, and help Betsy, and this is the couple, if you've ever heard me tell the story of I was a part of a marriage where I got in the car after the first time we met with Betsy and John, after she was uh, confessed it. I got in the car and I said to Ann, you should never say these words out loud, but I'm just being honest. I said to Ann, even God can't save this marriage. Because I just thought it was that dark. I just had no hope. And I can't imagine what you were thinking. Yeah, I'm glad okay, you so didn't I, tell me that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't tell you that. But I, I just thought, oh my I gosh. I you thought that, but yeah, yeah. It, was, it was wild. And uh, the long story short is that um, we went through a, a redemptive process. It was amazing after that. Um, my wife hadn't gone all in, and I had, and she went all in after that. And, uh, but, but that was the beginning of a two-year process of redemption and restoration. And we have 12 years later, we got a great marriage, really happy. Um, but what was unusual, well, you know, the forgiveness thing is pretty tough. And every now and then we get into conflict, and she'd feel like, have you totally forgiven me? Have you totally forgiven me? Years and, and, and years and years later. And that forgiveness was not quick. No, it wasn't quick. I mean, don't anybody think it happened no. in a month or six months. It was it really was, hard. It was years. But um, she felt like I was carrying a little bit with me, and I was trying to let that go, and, and I was really sold out to following Jesus. And, and so a weird thing happened recently. I went to this movie, um, Star is Born, and I'd rather be, rather be talking about Band of Brothers or something like that, but I go to this movie. And yeah, wait, wait, wait. So what are yeah. you doing on a chick flick? <laughs> Date night. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so anyway, we're, we go to this movie, and I'm not thinking too much about it, and I leave the movie, and something, I'm kind of rattled by it. I 
don't know why. And, and this is also, like, this, this, this past year, right? So just so you know, I know you know this, but you've traveled in 12 years to a really good spot. Really good spot, yeah. You've walked through it with your sons. You've walked right. through it in your community, and right. things are great. And so you go to this movie. And so you go to this movie, and I get kind of sabotaged with some feelings, some strange feelings. And for the next couple of weeks, it's not leaving me. And it was music. A lot of it was the music. And so I, I felt like something's going on here with me. And I've only had a couple experiences with a movie like that in the past. And um, so I went back to see it in a matinee because I didn't want anyone to, <laughs> I didn't want to be seen there. There's a bunch of 75-year-old ladies and me. And I felt like my mother-in-law might have been there. You know, I'm trying not to look. So you're there without there. Betsy. So I'm there without her. And I didn't tell anybody I was going back to it. And I went back there because I felt like something was unsettled in my spirit about it. And I was, something really hit me. It was like, it was like God was trying to teach me something. Hmm. And I didn't know during the movie. And I left. I was driving up Rochester Road from Imagine. And I got hit in the head with a two-by-four. And it was like, um, it was God in his mercy telling me, I want you to let go of the idea of ever having to be with somebody else. And there's a song that Katie's going to sing yeah. that, that catches that. And the words of that song really affected me. Hmm. And so I had a, an opportunity to let that go and get all in. Yeah, it's interesting. With John, I don't know when you told me about that experience, but it was, it's one of those moments. And somebody, if you know the movie or if you know the soundtrack, you'll recognize this song. It's at the end of the movie. I won't give the movie away, but... It's a very powerful moment where she is saying to her husband, and so you're saying, you're saying to Betts, I will never love anyone else again. That's right. I will never start a fire with anyone else, only right. you. So what was it God was saying to you? Why was it so powerful? It was, I was holding on to the idea of maybe someday she would fall back into her old ways, maybe... Um, you know, I would, be, I would be left with thinking about having a life without her. Hmm. And he wanted me to be sure that I didn't have to worry about that. Yeah. And I would just say, dude, your vulnerability in this moment, thank you. What a gift. I mean, dude. Yeah, thanks. Seriously. Not, not I mean, been my choice. <laughs> now you're like going to, you're going to run off the stage. Um, yeah, I mean, it takes courage to come up here and share that story. And it took them years to be able to be mended. And it doesn't mean their marriage is perfect. They still struggle like all of us. But... God can resurrect things that even your pastor says are dead. Never underestimate the power of God. And again, you can't control her. You can't control him. You can control you. And the question is, are you all in? So we're going to do that song. Listen to these words. I think for some of you, this could be a moment to say about your commitment to your significant other, I'm all in. And I'm not going to love anyone else again, but you. And it's also a way to even go vertical with it to say these words to Jesus. And then after the song, I'm going to invite you to a commitment to say, let's commit to a couple statements and then let's walk out and live this out.